We have another live show for you guys. We're coming back to New York City because I'm back in town. We put something together for May 15th. We're back at Sesh Comedy. Show starts at 7.30. Doors open at 7 p.m. I'm so excited. We loved Sesh when we were there the last time. I'm pumped to be able to do another show back in New York so soon. So Wednesday, May 15th. For tickets, head to our website at findingmrheight.com slash live. That's findingmrheight.com slash live. You can get your tickets right there. That ticket link will be up as you are hearing this announcement. And the venue is BYOB. So if you want a drink, bring a drink. If you like a Diet Coke, bring a Diet Coke. And we're going to hang out afterwards. We can say hello to everybody. Hope to see you all there. See you there. And I told the story to Cindy, who is my best friend who I went to Philly with the next day. And she was like, what if that is his name? What if it's this is all a ruse? Oh, my God. That's such a terrifying reaction. I had not thought of that. Hadn't even occurred to me. Now it has. Now I've thought about it a lot. Welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Rourke. Rourke, how are you doing today? It's been like a bit of a wild weekend, actually. Um, I went to – I had a great day yesterday. My There's a place in LA. It has two locations, and they are a German bar. They do like sausage – they do these exotic sausages and stuff, and yeah. – there were some people in the group that had not been before and said, like, what do you mean by exotic? And I said, oh, for example, there's one that's rattlesnake. And they were like, okay, we believe you. Great. Thank you. That was probably the exact example. <laughs> um, do they have a good pretzel? I love a good pretzel. I'm sorry. I can't speak to the pretzel. Oh, that's true. Well, do, you should – do they have Do they have a good I pretzel? I believe they do. I be, the fries are excellent. I did have some fries. Love yes. But so we did like – they hosted an Oktoberfest event there. And um, it was great. They, Yeah, they had gluten-free beer. My friends and I went. It was – this weekend has been so hot in LA. It is absurd. It's kind of annoying. I'm very ready for sweater weather. But the classmate got back from his trip with his um, – or his trip to visit his dad in Ohio. And it was really nice. We had like a very low-key Friday. I was very, very exhausted from work. And so we just sort of vegged caught up and that was nice and we were both sort of saying we're really looking forward to just having a week for the next couple weeks where no one is sick traveling somebody's in town like you know let's just like fucking be normal um we're very excited for that and so i think that'll be really nice and then um yeah it's funny i was actually editing our last week's podcast and i was talking about how with like the holidays, like shit's just complicated, you know, with, uh, with holidays. Why? I get that it's getting cold. Why is this cuffing season? It is not great to cuff right before a bunch of major holidays. I'm sorry. I agree with you. I think it is fully weather dependent. Like I think it is fully- I agree. You're going to hibernate with somebody because yeah, it no, it is a bad time to get into a relationship for any other reason except for the weather. All yeah. other signs point to- difficult time to be dating someone new. Exactly. Because when you're a couple months in, it also happens to hit my birthday. So it hits my birthday, Christmas, New Year's, and in theory, Valentine's, depending on when you started. And so like, it's just intense, man. Super intense. Side note, I'm going to be in Southern California for your birthday. (gasps) Wait, I'm not going to be in Southern California for my birthday. Because are you coming for Thanksgiving? 
Um, I'm coming. I'm going to be we, – I thought we talked about this. I'm going to be in San Diego from Thanksgiving through maybe New Year's. Okay. Well, then we'll definitely – I mean, yes, 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 yes. Okay. We will definitely connect. Um, I will be in Dallas on my birthday because it's the weekend after Thanksgiving, so I just won't have flown home yet. But uh, we will for sure hang during that time. Yeah, I haven't decided if I'm staying in Southern California for New Year's. I actually wanted to ask you what you're doing for New Year's, which we don't. I have no plans. Yes. Um, I haven't decided that yet, but definitely like all of December. So Cool. Well, hey. Love it. Can't wait. We don't need to hijack the listeners on our (laughs) plans coordination. Yeah. Um, Well, good. That's, you know, sounds like a great weekend. Yeah. I also like slipped an update. Yes, you did. You thought you thought you could get something past me. I have eagle eyes, my friend. Yeah, I, I buried it in the middle of a text. Buried, figured that shit out immediately. Go on. Um, yeah, so the classmate and I are officially in love. Officially in love. So for I the listeners, yeah. today, we're texting about I forget what we were even texting about, but we started talking about the classmate and Rourke writes, it made me love him something, something, something else. And I, all I wrote back was, ma'am. <laughs> and I knew exactly what was up. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I noticed that L-bomb tucked away in the middle of that sentence. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting story too, because he actually said it to me like after a month oh, and wow. I did not say it back. Can you remind me how long you've been dating? A little over two months now. Okay. Yeah. Um, the fact that he said that a month ago and I am just finding about out about this today is unacceptable. Yeah. It's just because like I wanted to – I wanted to wait until like I said it back and, you know, like I don't know. I just wanted to be like a complete – like a more of a complete loop because like I wanted to know how I felt. How dare um, you relationship details private? I'm so sorry. Yeah, so he said it about a month ago, and I said back, I'm not going to police your feelings. Like, if you, if that's how you feel, great. I need a little more time, mm-hmm. and I – like, there's some things, like, I want to know more about sort of before I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah. And, and he took t- t- very he well. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then I – Set it back. I was like, you know what? I'm very much in love with you. That's cute. That's so cute. And he was like, very much, really? He said, I'm in love with you? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's like, I think, even a different. Oh, really? I think so. Oh, wow. I increased the love level and didn't even notice. Well, I think like, I just think there's a difference between loving someone and being in love with them. Oh, yeah. No, I'm very much in love with him. That's sure. amazing. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Thanks. Yeah, I feel good about it. Yeah. I I didn't really real. I guess I was trying to think earlier today when after this update, it was like, how long has Rourke been dating him? And I, I truly had no concept of time in the sense that like you could have said a month and you could have said six months and I would have accepted either answer. Yeah. I mean, if you – it's it's actually really funny because you and I were texting about friend of the pod, friend of ours, Alana Dunn, posted on her Instagram that she and her boyfriend went on date number 100. And I was – it sort of forced me to think a little bit about, like, how much time he and I have spent together. Where some of them – like, I don't know how to – for like, how do I quantify – and she's gone on trips with 
that boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And so how how is she quantifying that? Is she quantifying that as a day, as a date? Like, how do I quantify the wedding? Is that one date oh. or is that four? Oh, interesting. I see what you're saying. I don't know. We should ask her. Yeah. But so anyway, this is all to say, especially because, you know, we I sort of keep pounding this drum and I'm sorry, it's probably very boring. It's it just it has been very interesting where we spent like five weeks of our relationship with like I was so fucking free. And so we were spending a lot of time together, like a lot. And now our pace is much more, I think, typical of a relationship. And so like I'm really grateful for that time because I do think it allowed us to develop a very strong like connection and base where now we can kind of navigate some of this stuff knowing that we're in it and we want to keep seeing where it goes versus like this seems like too much trouble let's not bother um but yeah well that's great i'm glad you're feeling good about it yeah so i have some work to do tonight but i think i'm he and i are gonna grab dinner oh cool well i am nursing what can only be described as a two-day hangover i you looked like you're having so much fun dude uh this weekend has been wild like okay so I went on a second date with the three-peat on Friday night. You did. It was so fun, but we were out so late. I met him yeah. at – I met up with him at 7 and I got home at like 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. So I have as much information as the TikTokers because I I watched your date recap yeah. and I noticed that it said like we talked for hours after the comedy show and I was like, holy shit, how late was this girl out? Yes. So we, so I met up with him at seven at uh, a bar called Union Hall in Brooklyn that I absolutely love. If you have not, if you live in Brooklyn and you've not been to Union Hall, it's great. You should go. Of spicy margaritas. You should not get the spicy margaritas. Okay. This is, there was a learning experience there. Yes. So I did not previously know that they had spicy margaritas, which I think we talked about. Yes. And it's because it's not the kind of bar where it's ever occurred to me to look at the cocktail menu. Got it. It's is it like a beer bar? It's more. I mean, it's not a beer bar per se, but it is a more casual bar where I just wouldn't think that they would make good bespoke cocktails. Gotcha. Like I'll order, a, I'll order my standard gin and soda. Okay. So so we get to the bar. We order our spicy margaritas. They came out so fast, and we both kind of looked at each other, and he was like, "These came out too fast." Like they did. Like in a, this is probably just sour mix and tequila, right? Kind of way, um, and so then we were like joking about, you know, what do we think they're gonna, what, what do we think they're gonna be? He was like, all right, if if the over under is at a B, are you taking the over or the under? I took the over, and it was far under. I love that he is able to have that amount of sense of humor in this situation because I my my memory is that this bar was his pick. Yep. Based on the conversation about spicy margaritas and yep. I knowing myself, I would be holding myself responsible. And so I love that he turned it into this thing you were going through together instead of being like I'm so sorry cuz yeah. it's not his fault. You know, it's fine. And so I I love that's how I handled it. Yeah, he did handle it really well. Um, and I actually only had two sips of mine because my stomach immediately started hurting. <gasps> That's just pure sugar then. Yeah, pure sugar. So I ordered something different. Um, 
And he, yeah, he took it fully in stride. It was like the, a joke for the rest of the evening. That's great. Um, so, so we like had a drink at the bar. Then we went downstairs. There are like um, event spaces in the basement. So we went downstairs to watch the comedy show. It was at the same time, very funny and very weird. Okay. Interesting. What was the weird was part? Very Brooklyn comedy. Like it was, it wasn't full, just straightforward stand up. Although there was some of that. There was also like a sketch group. There was a guy who was doing like musical comedy, kind of like um, Bo Burnham. Sure. I'm picturing, do you watch SNL at all? Yes. I'm picturing that sketch where they're in the black box theater and it's the college students running around and the parents are like, which one's yours? Who dragged you here? (laughs) Yes. So like, but it was all funny. It was all funny. It was just like real weird. Um, And actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but the three Pete used to do stand up comedy. Oh, fun. It's the reason he moved to New York. You did not mention that at all. Yeah. So he moved to New York. In like this is long ago in his like early twenties to quote unquote try to make it. Very quickly realized he was not going to make it in his own words. Very few are so respectable. In his own words, he said, "I was bad at comedy." I love how self deprecating he is, which also can be sort of like a comedian thing. Yes. Um, which also means he really the text that you put on Instagram about leaving him for another comedian that could have cut him deep. Fair, fair point, fair point. Um, <laughs> But so he moved here and he was bartending on the side, um, you know, as a lot of people in the entertainment industry do. And then he actually ended up in restaurant operations, which he no longer does anymore. But like that became his career um, instead of stand-up comedy. But the reason I mention it is because he was in an improv group with the musical comedy guy, didn't know that he was going to be there. Oh, my God. Did they recognize each other and speak? Yeah. Cool. Such a small world. So they like, you know, said hi after the show, nothing major. Um, The funny tidbit is that I later I went to the bathroom and it's a co-ed bathroom, like with like the sinks are co-ed. Yeah. And I ran into the musical comedy guy and I was like, oh my gosh, loved your set. You were so funny. You know, actually I'm here on a date with the guy. I, I didn't say his name. I said with the guy that you did improv with. And he goes... Oh, yeah, Eric. Eric is not the three Pete's name. Oh, my God. So, so he just like, oh, my God. Wait, so then at this point they had spoken and this guy yeah. just – I mean, yes. I've done that before where I've feigned memory of someone's name. That's hilarious. But wild that he went out on the limb with you. Uh, yeah. And then I didn't want to correct him because they're never going to speak again probably in their lives. Yeah. Like there's no need for this guy to know I mean, that he- I think he's probably going to officiate your wedding, so maybe. let's maybe get this right. But <laughs> like, there's no reason for him to know that he just got this, his name wrong. So like, yeah. I didn't say anything. I just was like, "Yeah, Eric," <laughs> not his name. But then I just thought, "Oh, you know," I immediately thought, "Oh, he just doesn't know his name. That's funny." Thinks he knows his name. Super confident about this wrong name. And I told the story to Cindy, who is my best friend, who I went to Philly with the next day, and she was like. What if that is his name? What if it's this is all a ruse? Oh my God, that's such a terrifying reaction. I had not thought of that. Hadn't even occurred to me. Now it has. Now I've oh, thought about shit. it a lot. <laughs> Do you think, uh, alternatively, I mean, there are a bunch, there, okay, there are a bunch of logical explanations here. Number one, this guy forgot, right? Yeah. 
That's the biggest one. Number two, possible that the three P went by a stage name in his stand up days. That occurred to me, but his real name, at least what I know to be his real name, is in my opinion a much better name. Okay, have you Googled him? No, I sh- could do that. I think you should. I could do that. At this, yeah, just because Cindy has scared me <laughs> for no reason. I'm sure this is not, I'm sure this is ridiculous. I'm sure but. I just forgot his name. Yeah. But who knows? Perhaps I will Google him after this. Um, which now, now the listeners know that when I said on a previous episode that I don't really Google people, I probably should have in this particular scenario and still didn't. Now the fear has been instilled, so we will we will do our homework. Yeah. I'll check it out. Um, so we watched the comedy show, then we went back upstairs. Union Hall has all these like leather couches and real fireplaces, which aren't going now, but they do in the winter. And so we sat on a leather couch um, and just talked for literally hours. And then I remembered that Union Hall has karaoke in that basement event space after midnight on Friday night. This place is a real all-in-one. Oh, yeah. I'm obsessed with this bar. They also have two bocce ball courts. (gasps) Oh, there we go. Now you're speaking my language. It's a great bar. Um, So... I remembered that and it was already after midnight at this point. So then we went downstairs to dance to the karaoke. We put our names in, but it we did not get called. It was like 2 a.m. I'm like, we, I, we, I got to go home. Yeah. 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 That's out, outrageous. Yeah. We were signed up to do Empire State of Mind. A classic. Yeah. So fun. We actually had a moment where – so there was like a DJ that that was playing music kind of in between people doing karaoke and at one point he started playing Empire State of Mind, which we thought meant it was our turn. Mm-hmm. So we went up onto the stage and like grabbed the mics and the DJ was like, what are you doing up here? Get off. Get off the stage. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, <sighs> wow. Yeah. That sounds like a really great date. It was really fun. We were dancing and just having a grand old time. And then yeah. – Stayed out too late, considering I was supposed to leave for Philly, drive to Philly at 9 a.m. the next morning. Brutal. I did not do that. What time we did left. you get up? Um, I woke up before we were supposed to leave, but we then had we are, had already decided late at night that we would not be leaving that early because I was had been texting with her. Um, so we left like midday um, and then spent the night in Philly and went to the Trevor Noah show on Saturday night. So fun. It was great. And then today, Sunday, we went to brunch and we walked around and I kind of like toured Cindy around Penn where I went to school, which she had mm-hmm. never seen before. So it was kind of fun to like show her all these places that I have told stories about. Like, you know, oh, there's there's this bar where I used to like jump in through the window before I was 21 and like – Oh, my God. Here's the like like Euro place where I dated the guy who works there. So I used to get free euros, like all the stories. That's so that fun. You know, I love that. About, or like the Wawa where I shoplifted a Diet Coke and met one of my boyfriends in college. Amazing. Yeah. Um, it's like a New Orleans, you know how in New Orleans they do, or in South, um, in Charleston too, I think they do ghost tours. It was yes. your own ghost tour. Yeah. <laughs> boyfriend's past. Yes. Um, so that was super fun. Um, walked by my old house that I lived in for two years and my sorority house. Turns out one of my followers was in my sorority at Penn. She's far younger than me, but I had posted a picture of it and she was like, no way, you know, so. Love. 
Yeah, so it was really fun. Trevor Noah was amazing. I already knew I loved him. I am further obsessed with him after this show. It was so good. Awesome. I love when that stuff lives up and exceeds your expectations. Yeah, it was incredible. Originally, he didn't – I'm actually – it was fun to go to Philly. Like it was a nice little sort of overnight trip. He didn't have a New York date when he originally announced this tour. That's why we did it. Yeah. Um. But it it was it was really fun. And then, as you saw in my Instagram story, I texted the three Pete and said, "You know, I know we've had two great dates, but I might have to run away with Trevor Noah." And he wrote back, "Damn, tough news. Huge for him, though." <laughs> That's a great response. <laughs> it was really cute. So yeah, it was super fun. I've been talking to him. The last couple of days, we were texting, you know, as I mentioned, I texted him at Trevor Noah. We were texting kind of throughout the day. I talked to him this morning. No third date on the books yet, but we we will go out again. Yeah, I'm 0% concerned. No, me either. Um, so, oh, and we talked a little bit about – he said in person that he really liked that I gave him the positive reinforcement about how I like that he's a planner and mm. that he, like, appreciated that. Um, and so – Every time we've talked thus far, or I guess it's only been two times in person, but I feel like we do a really good job of communicating and he is a good communicator. That's great. I really appreciate about him. I think that's really huge. I mean, that's huge in general. I think that's very huge for you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I'm optimistic about it. Definitely excited to see where it goes. He, I'm like, I have made the mistake in the past, and I don't know if this is what's happening here, but I've made the mistake in the past of mistaking somebody liking me for me liking them. Very relatable. I've done the same. And so I like him. I want to be super clear about that. But I am continuing to check in with myself to make sure that I am liking him sort of on my own terms and that my affection for him, if you will, is growing at a natural rate because of my affection for him and not because – he really likes me. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that's really important to note. And I can I can think of several times where I've done that and frankly been in a relatively long relationship with some somebody where that was the dynamic, which I do not recommend. So yeah, I commend you. Well, don't commend me yet. It hasn't I have <laughs> I don't know if I've succeeded at the thing I'm trying to do. Um, but because he he does really like me and I just he has told me that and I like that he has told me that and I yeah. just make sure that you know I'm on the same page. Also, I will say obviously there's a difference between somebody liking you and you liking them. However, it should not be discounted how important it is that somebody like you. I know that sounds very obvious. (laughs) I, like, I have wanted somebody for a long time to see me the way I see me. Like, I really like myself and I, like, really wanted somebody else to see traits that I think are really cool about myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in the past, I've definitely been willing to date people where I was saying, Let me convince you of these things. Like, I promise I'm really great at this. And if you just stick with me, I'll show you. Whereas the classmate is just like, I'm in awe of these things about you. These are these eight things that I think are amazing about you. It's so cool. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, thank you. Those are the things I think are cool about myself too. And, you know, like, that's good. It's it's good to be liked by the person that you're dating. Like, I I realize that sounds so fucking obvious, but it's it, it gets fucked up. 
I don't think it's obvious because oftentimes people will be attracted to somebody who doesn't like them in a let me prove myself way or like liking the chase or, you know, feeling like, well, if this person doesn't like me, they must be better than me. So now I want to prove myself to them. It's like the reason negging works. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And I actually am thinking back on this moment in our conversation when we were sitting on those couches where he was actually telling me about the reasons that he likes me like so far, like not in an over, yes. not in an overly um, affectionate way, not in a love bomby way, just like, and these are the things that I've observed about you that I really like. Yeah. And he mentioned sort of offhandedly that he was telling his friend about me and that he's going out with me again. And like, these are the things. And I could tell as he said it, he was kind of embarrassed that he had, that he was admitting that he had told a friend about me. Were you – did you say back, well, I told the internet, so – I was like, bro, you know I have a podcast about it, right? Like yeah. I've told thousands of people about you. Yeah. So he might be listening right now for all we know. Love to hear it. Yeah. I discovered – because Cindy and I were talking about this, about whether he's Googled me. Mm. And – Although I don't know if he knows my last name. I've never mentioned it. I only know his because he's said it for bartenders several times. Mm. Um, so I don't know if he knows my last name. However, if you Google Allie Dating Coach, it's everything. It's all there. Yeah. So, which I've made my website quite SEO friendly. So kudos to me on that. But like, it's the very first thing if you do that. Yeah. So he very well, he very well may be here with us today. And that would be fine. And that would be fine. So those are those are my updates. Yeah, and I mean, to we again. can we can stick with him a little bit through our weird or not. Yes. So this week's weird or not is not related to the topic, but related- I wonder. I want to explore it. A, I have some ideas, though. Actually, that's true. I think because I think your aversion to it might be related to your attachment yep. stuff. <laughs> that's exactly uh, what I think. I so but. One of the reasons I wanted to do this weird or not is because when I posted about the three-peat bringing me a flower on our first date, a lot of – there were very mixed reactions to it. And And I was one of them. We hashed it out a little bit last week, but we can – I'm excited to hear what the listeners think. Yeah. So the weird or not is they bring you a flower on your first date. As you know, I personally would find this weird. (laughs) That doesn't mean it is weird. It means I would find it weird. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, I think I voted a little bit later on this one than I typically do. So I know which direction it's skewed in. And I know I'm on the losing side of history. You are on the losing side of history. This is a bad take, Brooke. <laughs> it's okay. So I'm, I'm hoping it swung back towards me a little bit. And so I'm going to say 25 weird, 75 nah. I'm so very sorry, but it did not. I mean, it's not it's not that off. It was 18 weird, 82 nah. All right, whatever. This is not I, weird. I, yeah, I guess. Like, I, I guess in a sense it is not – in a sense it's very not weird in that it's very classic in some ways where a man brings a flower to a woman upon a date. I, I totally get it. And yet I know I would die inside. <laughs> Yeah, so the people who this is an this is an instance where although only eighteen percent of responders thought it was weird, were they vocal? There, there are more 
responses My to people. why is it weird than there are to why is it not weird. Because Fucking fabulous. All of the all of the why is it not weird answers are variations of why would that be weird. Love it. Like this is just normal. This is nice. That's a nice gesture. Why the fuck would anyone think it's weird? They're weird. Like that was the, that was like most of the nah answers. Uh, uh, it's fine. The the weird answers varied. A lot of people talked about how it's awkward to then have this flower with you on the date. Mm-hmm. And some people made the distinction of like, is it a single flower? Is it a bouquet of flowers? What am I supposed to do with a bouquet of flowers? Yes, I we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, mine was just a single flower. I put it in my bag. Um, a lot of people mentioned love bombing and how they would feel like this was – yeah, I agree with your face. I, I think that's – I don't a, agree with that one. I think that's a reach. Um, but a lot of people said too much too soon, overly affectionate, I don't know you, love bombing type stuff. And that, I, as I said, I think it's, I think that's a reach. Agreed. I think though, knowing myself and knowing I have difficulty, I, I have difficulty receiving gifts the same way I have difficulty receiving compliments, which is that I'm very hard on myself. And so something that like, I've I've actually like listened to podcasts about how it is it is insulting to take a compliment badly because somebody when they're complimenting you are sharing something that like they clearly see as a value and so by like rebuffing their compliment you're actually saying like why would that be important to you and hmm. um yeah and so like I'm trying to uh, I trying to restructure my thinking in that way but um I, I recognize that part of this is me thinking, why would you bring me a flower? You don't know me well enough to be like this excited or like, <laughs> like you, like I'm not that great. You shouldn't be this pumped. <laughs> but as we, as we just went through, you are that great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I realize I'm going again, like these are, this is my toxic, this is my toxic side alley that I'm trying to, you know, this is why I pay the big bucks in therapy <laughs> to get through this bullshit. Yeah. And I, because I actually, and I, I, I say this, and it's going to sound like this is a bad thing. I assume he brings a flower on every first date. I don't think I'm special in that that's sense. A, that's a really good assumption, and I think keeps you in check. Yes. And, I, and again, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I think it is wonderful that he brings a flower. I think it is a lovely gesture. It's, it shows forethought. Mm-hmm. You know, it shows that he's like excited about the date. And I would assume if you're going on a first date, you should be excited to go on that first date. Agreed. And I think that first date, don't go. I think it would be inappropriate to chastise he must do this for everyone in the same way that it would be then you can't I would then connect it to then you can't really say anything about him paying. Cause then I'm sure he pays for every first date, but a lot of people think that's the right thing to do and it's because he's chivalrous and thoughtful and whatever, insert adjectives here. And so, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that being a dating behavior that he has chosen to manifest. No, definitely not. Um, and I, so I am in the, obviously I'm in the nah camp with 82% of my friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you going to write this down, these numbers down and be like, remember Rourke? <laughs> Always remember, flowers aren't remember weird. the eighty two percent. Remember that, um, but I was I was also just happy to see that from the listeners that like that people are you know that would people would enjoy that I guess yeah 
So I've been talking a bunch about how I'm trying to order in less. And part of that is that I'm cooking at home more, but when I don't have time to cook, which is more often than not, I have really still been loving Factors meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, and they have so many options too. Every week, their menu, they have 35 options that you can pick from. So you can find whatever it is that you're looking for. It's so easy. It's no fuss and no mess. It's so great. And I've also been really enjoying their add-ons that they have. So they have breakfast. They have on-the-go lunches if you don't work from home. I've been ordering their snacks recently to have like a little pick-me-up in the afternoon. And I've really been enjoying that. Yeah. And they also are celebrating Earth Day all month. You can look for their Earth Month Eats badge on their menu. And that will be meals that have the lowest carbon footprint. So shout out to Factor for that one. That's pretty cool. So you can head to factormeals.com slash FMH50 and use code code FMH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code FMH50 at factormeals.com slash FMH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. So today's topic is something that I think people are excited for us to talk about. Yeah, I was paging through the responses to the Finding Mr. Height form, which you can access on findingmrheight.com if anyone is interested. And a lot of people have read the book specifically attached. So we're talking Mm -hmm. about attachment styles. And a lot of people have read the book and wanted us to dive in, either talk about like what we are, how it's affected our dating patterns, to take the quiz. A lot of people are really interested in this topic. And so again, we're going to dedicate more than one episode to it. Yeah. So We thought we should do some framework in this episode and really because although it feels – if you're into attachment styles or if you've heard about them, to me it can sometimes feel ubiquitous. Like that terminology is everywhere. Everyone knows what it means. Everyone talks about it. But as I discovered when we did our DTR, Define the Relationship episode, I was shocked at the number of people who didn't know the acronym DTR because to me it's ubiquitous and obvious. Yes. And so I want to make sure that we don't make that mistake with attachment styles and really set up that framework, talk about the different styles um, and, you know, what they mean to us, what we know about them, how they, you know, impact us personally. We'll get into, you know, a quiz that we both took. And then I'm super excited that next week we're going to have a guest on who is a dating and relationship author who I actually met because of TikTok and Instagram. She and I have been DMing way since way back when I really first launched my TikTok. Her name is Kirsty Taylor. And a lot of her content focuses on attachment styles, especially avoid or excuse me, especially anxious attachment. She wrote a book called What I Wish I Knew About Love, which I've read. It was awesome. I'm so excited to talk to her next week. Yeah, that'll be great. And I think we can dive into the more either learnings, advice, listener questions. And this will give listeners the space to ask some questions in between us doing this setup and then recording with Kirsty. Definitely. So before we get into this, I just, I do want to make a disclaimer as we talk about attachment styles that as with really anything like love languages or this is not the end all be all of who you are as a person or what your relationship is in totality. And I also think, I was thinking about this recently with love languages and Enneagram and all that jazz, where none of these frameworks are substitutes for communication, where it isn't fair to say to your partner, well, I'm a gifts person. 
and then expect them to then know what to do with that. And so I, I think that we still want to focus on this is a way to understand yourself in a new, better, different way. And just to kind of maybe look at your actions through a different lens, but it does not it is not a heuristic for communication. You still need to like work through and talk through this stuff with whomever you're dating. Yeah. And it's not like a death sentence, let's say, if you're in an anxious avoidant relationship, which we'll talk more about when we talk to Kirsty next week. But like I kind of made this mistake actually, and I will get into this next week, with ASV. I've spoken before about how I I tend anxious and he was very avoidant. And when he broke up with me, one of the things that he pointed to was that at least the way he perceived it, when I was talking to him about attachment styles, he perceived our anxious, avoidant um, natures as incompatible, terrible, not going to work long term. Interesting. And mind you, he knew nothing about attachment styles. Like all he knew about attachment came from me. So this was right. not his own understanding. This was how he perceived what I had said to him. He almost viewed it as a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Like he said, even you said, anxious, avoidant, terrible, can't work. And I don't recall that being what I said, but it's it's what he understood. Right. It's how he received the communication. Right. Which like honestly matters more than what I actually said. And I, But I didn't realize that he had taken it that way. So it's something that I have thought about going into future relationships. My The oyster was anxious, so it was a little bit of a different conversation. But something I've thought about, should I find myself in a relationship with another avoidant person, is how I frame that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So definitely. Which I would love to actually get Kirstie's opinion on when we talk to her selfishly next week. That's a, we should write that down. That's a good one. Yes. So you mentioned the book Attached, which I, even before, before any of this dating coaching stuff was on the radar for me, I had read, highlighted, bookmarked, was obsessed with. Um, the subtitle is The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. It's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. We'll link it um, in the show notes, but also on our website. Um, and so I think it's it has a really great framework, which starts with a quiz you can take to identify your own attachment style. And then it kind of goes into the different styles and tips and tricks to, you know, addressing your style, if you will. Yeah. I – does it – sorry, this is just a side question. We can cut this out. Does it address um, like disorganized attachment at all or does it only have yeah. the three? It does. It mentions disorganized. Okay. Yeah. But disorganized is only, according to their research, 5% of people. Got it. So it doesn't talk as much about it. Gotcha. But it does mention it. So I have I, I have not read the book. However, from you know various classes that I've taken, my understanding is that this is a extrapolation, if you will, of a theory that used to only really be associated with childhood. Yeah. And it's attempting to both use childhood as a jumping off point, but then also say that other big relationships form our attachment style. And it is relative and it will kind of, it has the power to permeate throughout the lifespan. Yeah. So in general, your attachment style is how you feel about intimacy. Mm -hmm. Kind of where you sit as it relates to anxiety and avoidance. 
So if you, as it relates to how you feel about your romantic relationships, and attachment style can can apply to relationships that are not romantic, but obviously this is a dating podcast, so we'll focus there. And the book focuses there as well. So there's sort of like they in the book, there's actually a, like a graph that has anxiety on one spectrum and avoidance on another and talks about, you know, if you're high on anxiety and low on avoidance, then that's like the anxious attachment quadrant, et cetera, et cetera, um, which we'll get into each of the styles. Um, but you mentioned something that I think is important, which I think there's most people think that attachment style is just comes from your parents and from childhood. Mm-hmm. And like if your parents made you feel anxious, then you're going to have an anxious attachment style. And I don't think that's true. The book doesn't either. Yeah, I don't think that's true either. I think that also like it's funny, especially when I dated PowerPoint, my mom was like, you had such a loving childhood. <laughs> what is happening? But um, <laughs> um, yeah. If, if she doesn't say so herself. It, right. Yes. Coming from, you know, the the arbiter of um, truth and objective right. reasoning on the topic. <laughs> yeah. There's no bias at all in that. So yeah. Um, but she's not wrong. She's not wrong. And oh, um, yeah. Just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, it's ridiculous. But um but yeah, and you know, I know something you and I have talked about is the power of like friendship. Yep. I was really lucky in high school to have great friends. I think a lot of that is because I went to an all-girls school. But then in college, I really struggled. And I as an only child was really not used to living with somebody. I had never learned how to set boundaries with a peer. And so I like didn't there was all this I, I think like a lot of my college friendships and sort of like fear I, I I did my first friend breakup in college and I think that has kind of that relationship in a way has that's interestingly I think been one that plays out multiple times. Yeah, I I truly think and we'll, and we don't worry friends we will get into the different attachment styles um momentarily but I truly think that my anxious attachment style or how I've tended toward anxious came from friendships in middle school and high school mm. where like yeah. I didn't really feel like I fit in with my friends. I felt very unstable in those friendships. Ultimately, they were quite unstable um, and I don't speak to most of them anymore. Um, and I I think that my, my anxiety about relationship with other people comes from that. It's like totally pretty – and my, my therapist agrees, so – Stamp of approval then. So, okay, yeah, wait, let's, let's let's define them so we're not um, yeah. sort of talking at glancing blows for the people that don't know. So my understanding is, like I said, um, or maybe if I'll edit it out. So I know that disorganized is one of them, but as you told me, very small percent of the population. So the three big ones are secure, anxious, and avoidant. Using what you've learned from the book, will you define these terms for us? Yes. So – Let's start with secure because we're not going to spend much time on it (laughs) because if you're secure, good for you. Yeah. Hang up the like, you know, well, actually don't turn this off because we want you to listen, but don't need us. There's Um, still good stuff here. There's still good stuff here. So secure is 50% of the population, according to the research in this book, which is wild to me. Um, These are people who are really comfortable with intimacy. They enjoy intimacy and closeness, but they aren't too worried about it. They're really good at communicating their needs and their boundaries and also good at reading their partner's emotions and, you know, respecting their needs and boundaries. And it's all right there in the name, really. They're just secure with 
relationships and they don't worry about them too much. How nice. Sounds lovely. <laughs> so this is half of the people. Then there's – and just to be clear also, these stats are coming from this book specifically, which is based on a ton of research. I highly recommend it, but just so everyone's clear about where these come from. Anxious, that's 20% of people. Anxious attachment, you crave intimacy. You fear that your partner doesn't want that same intimacy that you do. You worry constantly that there's an imbalance of how much closeness or intimacy you want versus how much this other person wants. Um, and you tend to take things really personally and are very, very sensitive to changes or your perceived changes in your partner's mood. And oftentimes, like, that can be a good thing. Like, it's anxious people with anxious attachment tend to be really good at reading a room, for example. But oftentimes, that just goes to the extreme where they then get overly preoccupied with those people's emotions, with that person's emotions, worry that it's about them need a lot of reassurance, and generally you spend a lot of energy thinking about your relationship. Yeah. The chapter about anxious attachment in the book is titled Living with a Sixth Sense for Danger. Oh, that's a good title. Really good. I think it's so apt that, you know, always waiting for the other shoe to drop kind yes. of energy. Yeah. And I do – that has happened – you know, we'll get into what we are. but the, And I, I relate to that feeling. I do think people can amplify certain traits of yours, right? Like there's a version of us at – there's like state level and then there's trait level, right? Where at a baseline state, we are one thing, but then other people can kind of pluck at our traits and make yes. us move around. Totally. Um, so the, the final big one, which is 25% of people is avoidant. That's higher than I thought. I thought anxious was going to be bigger than avoidant because I think that there's so much more content aimed at anxious people. So I've done research on this actually, because I, I've done, I've done a lot of research on attachment styles in general. I've also done a lot of digging into attachment style hashtags. So wait, first, first let's define avoidant. So avoidant people are terrified of intimacy. They see intimacy as a loss of independence and they really fear that loss of independence. They're uncomfortable with closeness and they don't really worry about relationships or rejection. Oftentimes people will call them emotionally distant. They kind of keep people at arm's length. Trey relatable. (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) The last 5% of people are disorganized. So they have some of each, maybe they're anxious avoidant. Sometimes they're anxious, sometimes they're avoidant. They're like anxious about their own attachment, but avoidant about others. It's kind of like a hot mess of feelings. Very small amount of people. Um, But you're right that if you just kind of look out into the world of dating advice, relationship advice space, you would think that a hell of a lot of people are anxious. And if you're out there dating, you would think that way more than 55% of people are either anxious or avoidant. Like 50% of people being secure feels way too high for somebody who's out there dating. Yes. Um, The book talks about that. And the reason that they give is that secure people are more likely to be in a relationship at any given time. I have heard that, that anxious people are also overrepresented on dating apps. Yes. Well, and avoidant people, well, avoidant people to a different extent too, but like they're people that are secure are less likely to be single. And so if you're out there and you're single, 
you are more likely to be anxious or avoidant because secure people, when they break up with someone, they end up in a relationship fairly quickly, usually, like statistically speaking. But I, speaking about anxious and avoidant content, there are more avoidant people statistically than there are anxious people. But you wouldn't think that if you look at relationship advice, but it makes sense. So when you look at hashtags, anxious attachment as a hashtag, at least when I looked, this was a few months ago, had twice as many views as avoidant attachment and wow. twice as many videos. I think it might have been three times as many videos and twice as many views. And when you think about the definition of these attachment styles, it makes sense because totally. avoidant people are not worried about being avoidant. They're avoidant. They are not seeking out – this is a broad generalization. They are not seeking out a solve for this. Right. Because they're not worried about it. Whereas anxious people are worried about it. Therefore, all they do do is worry about it. So like it makes total sense that there, first of all, are more people searching for anxious attachment strategies and advice. And also that there would be more dating coaches who are themselves anxiously attached. Because like the reason I know so much about this shit is because I had, have, it's not as bad as it used to be, an anxious attachment style and I was anxious about it. So I did a lot of research and it's one of the things that got me into giving dating advice because I had done all of this research. And I, I think that's a fairly common, I'm curious to talk to Kirsty about this, but I think that's a fairly common story. Yeah, for sure. Well, great. I'm excited. Yeah. So I think, and I think it's, it's really interesting with thinking about what you said about how like some traits are there for others, for other types of styles. Like you're not always all one thing. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting too when I was kind of taking the quiz. So Rourke and I each took, although we have before, we each took the same attachment style quiz, um, which we'll link in on the website. Um, And I, I found it really interesting actually. I was kind of excited by my results. Oh wow! I'm excited for you. I'm. Um, I have not hit submit because I wanted to keep my spectrum apparent in the like ah, strongly agree can like, whatever. Can you like screenshot it or something and then hit submit and we can all find out in real time what you got? Um. Yes, I can. One second. There were definitely some that surprised me that I did. I absolutely had to like not lie and strongly agree with some that were anxious. Yeah, I. So while you're doing that, I can reveal what I got. Yeah. I got secure. <gasps> wow. Good for you. I was so excited. And I was being truly honest. Like I was- That's so I much growth. Really, I was very excited to get that because I really do think that it is a result of all of the work that I have done on my attachment style. I think that I am going to get secure- I have described myself as secure with avoidant rising. Yeah. As in like something I like about the, yeah, I got 55% secure, 20% avoidant, and then 8% disorganized. And then what's the math on my anxious? I don't know. Higher than I would have thought though, right? 15, yeah. 20, no, like 10? Is that like 10? I think like 15. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which to me makes sense because like I said, I absolutely – can fall into that. And I have before in previous relationships. And I think, yeah, like I said, I think that something 
I will never forget actually something that a friend said to me when we were in our early 20s. She had been dating this guy for a little bit and they ended up breaking up. And she said to me, one of the reasons that they broke up was not only because she just didn't think like he was the match. She said, I realized that I didn't like who I had become with him. Hmm. And I thought that was a really insightful thing to say, especially for we were, I think, like 23, 24 at the time. And I think that that is where I can tell if I am falling into avoidant or anxious, that is when I am not my best self. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think many of us are, but that makes that makes a ton of sense to think about it that way. Um, and I think some of the questions that popped out to me were overly focusing on others. Yes. And yep. that is something that I have struggled with in terms of, you know, pleasing others before pleasing myself or feeling really anxious about how somebody else is feeling. Yes, that's very – and honestly, that goes back to what we were saying about the three-peats reaction to the spicy margarita where I said, I know you and I would have been like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so sorry. Like, Not to put what I would think on you, but I would certainly think – and I think we've talked about this as sort of a version of like an anxious people-pleasing trait where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I chose this and it turned out not good. I, I'm so I'm so sorry. And really, who the fuck cares? <laughs> No one cares. And like no cares. I, he's done so many things that have made me think, wow, this guy is very secure. Yeah, that's great. We'll snap him and, up before somebody else gets him because he's not going to yeah, be on the dating they, apps for long. Tend <laughs> to be in relationships, but he hasn't been in one in a little while. Um, but the other thing, the other one that really made me kind of like giggle was, and one of the, th one of the so backing up a second, I do wish for this quiz in particular, something that I like about the one that's in the book is that you can track back after you take it to look at which questions were correlated to which attachment styles. Gotcha. And there are some questions in this quiz that I legitimately don't know if my <laughs> strongly agree answer went one way or another. Like what? Can you give me an example? I have an exaggerated startle response when others approach me unexpectedly. I think that has to be anxious. Unless you don't like closeness and therefore you're startled by somebody approaching you. Maybe that's disorganized. Maybe. In any case, I have an, an insanely exaggerated startle response. I am so fucking jumpy. Oh, wow. I, I My only thought on that being anxious is that it, I do think it comports with the title of the chapter that you said. That's true. It probably is, but like I, I'm so jumpy to the point where I will be waiting for someone to join a meeting and be scared when they join. Oh my God. Because their voice startles me and I'll wow. literally – I have to go on mute when I'm waiting for someone to join a meeting because I will often yelp when they join. That is wild. Even though I'm actively waiting for them to join. Yeah. I've, I've never experienced that. I'm so jumpy. It's one of the reasons I don't like horror movies. I'm too jumpy. Yeah. It's not a good experience for me. I would not – I probably a reason I, – I don't know for you, but definitely for me, I think moving towards secure, I definitely did not – I definitely was not in the past able to answer, strongly agree to I feel comfortable expressing my own needs. Mm. That has been a development over the past couple years that absolutely in no way would have been true a couple years ago. Yeah. I feel that way about I often expect the worst to happen in my relationship. Mm. I – I still struggle with that. But I I think that that kind of goes back to that conversation I mentioned with ASV 
where he had perceived me talking about our anxious avoidant relationship as what would be the death of us. Mm. And I wonder if he perceived it that way because I was constantly expecting the worst to happen. Yeah. And it was one of the things that could happen. Uh, yeah. I think that's a really good reflection back on that time. That's probably right. I do think it's an interesting it's an interesting dichotomy. So I have I have not talked about this as an update. We can I certainly can share the story of it at some point. It was a very interesting experience. The classmate and I for a date went to a med like a couples like meditation class. Oh, that's right. I forgot you were doing that. Yeah. And um it was a wild experience, not in my comfort zone at all, but like I've said, the classmate's sort of like a try anything guy. If he hears about something, he's like, Oh, well, let's do that. Okay. And so we did it. I was down. And there were these various exercises where we had to like hold eye contact for a long time and like synchronize our breathing and do like there was like a sound bath element. Very LA. It's fine. So it was fun. But there was a – you like think about a lot of things and they tell you like whatever happens, fine. If you laugh, it's cool. If you cry, it's cool. Like whatever comes up for you is fine. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I've told fellow kind of skeptical friends about this and they've said I would just be laughing the entire time. And I said, honestly, that's – I didn't cry. I didn't laugh. I just sort of did it, frankly. Yeah. Um, that's what it was like for me. But one of the thoughts that came to my mind that I shared – he and I obviously like had dinner after and debriefed. And one of the things that I did say to him was I have never felt more sort of simultaneously like safe and scared in a relationship mm. in that I feel very safe with him. And yet I also would be, this is probably the first relationship I've been in where I would be devastated if we broke up. Wow. And that, like that's scary. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, it's not like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop, but it's an acknowledgement of like, I like really care about this. And mm -hmm. so like, I, I, I want to separate that from expecting the worst, but it, it is a weird acknowledgement of like, oh shit, this is probably like, the only time I've been afraid of that outcome. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. No, highly, highly recommend. Bizarre date, but go for it. Um, but I also think that that shows you moving away from being avoidant because an avoidant person wouldn't be worried about that. Yes. Thank you. That is very true. Um, I'm interested in what is your answer for it's easier for me to think things through than to express myself emotionally. I saw that and I didn't really think that it resonated with me. Oh, interesting. Like one way or the other? I, yeah. I, I mean, I think I said disagree. Okay. I, I for me, I said strongly agree. Yeah. I said disagree. I'm like yeah. scrolling back. Or rarely never or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I think I tend to express myself emotionally before thinking things through actually. That checks out. That's why I asked. I, that's where I had, I had a feeling we might be very different on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And something – this was a rarely never for me, but one that stood out that I think kind of captures how a lot of avoidant people feel is I sometimes feel superior and not needing others, and I wish others were more self-sufficient. Nailed it. I was – I yes. When I saw that one, I said this needs to be one that we discuss because that I, – I could not relate more to that. Whereas like when I was with the student – I constantly felt like, why can't you be okay when we're apart? Like I was so frustrated with him. And I was like, why do you need me? 
I think there's this false narrative out there that we should be able to fulfill all of our own needs. Mm-hmm. And the book Attached talks about the fact that needing people is a biological thing. Yeah. And like, I don't know if the book does this, but go way back to ancient civilizations where nothing was an individual endeavor. Right. It, ta- it does talk about that. It talks about, you, you know, we need each other for different things now. I don't need you to help me go hunt. Correct. But like, <laughs> but we do still need each other on a deeply biological human level. And so this narrative that can be out there that, you know, you should be totally fine by yourself before attaching to somebody else really discounts all of that. And I think puts this really unfair expectation on ourselves. Yes, I totally agree. And I I, I chuckled to myself when I answered this one because I saw myself in it so clearly. And <laughs> it's certainly it's certainly not something that I it, it is a complicated thing where it's like I wear it like a badge of honor, but I also don't want to. Mm. Yeah. And I think there's a balance here, of course, you know, right. where you you should be able to fulfill some of your own needs. But the book has a really good quote about this that I liked a lot that says, you're only as – first, there's two pieces. There's You're only as needy as your unmet needs. Yep, very true. I really loved that. But the other thing is that attachment is natural. It's a basic human need. You just need to find the right person to depend on. Mm. That's really, really – that's profound. Yeah. Like it's not like you shouldn't depend on anyone. You should be totally self-reliant. Like that's not going to work. That's not biologically advantageous. That's not the way that humans were designed. It's just that we need to find the right person. Yeah. It's like finding the right group project members. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Life is is not an individual endeavor. Life is a group project. And and don't get screwed. (laughs) Yeah. Don't try to – don't do all the work yourself. It's not going to work out. No. You're going to get you're going to get burned out and probably not do that good of a job. Yeah. And I I also found myself I don't don't know if this happened to you too as I was going to do the quiz seeing ones that I resonated with because they were describe exes of mine. Oh, that's so funny. Like what? So for, for example, after anxiously awaiting my partner's arrival, I end up picking fights. Oh, did you do that? No, that has the oyster written all over it. Oh. Well, yeah, I remember you saying he sort of spoke in fight. That is such a good way of describing it. The the man was fluent in fight. Ugh. Like that was his natural state or that was fighting. That and I unpleasant. Was terrible. And we talked about it too, about how he had this history of roller coaster relationships and, you know, volatility and passion and anger and and that's what he knew as a relationship. Exhausting. I, was ba- I basically was living in like fight or flight mode at all times. That sounds exhausting. It really was. I think that the that just really resonated with me when I read it because I think he had a little bit of, anx- of avoidant in him too. Like I think he might have been a little bit anxious avoidant. Because I would assume, again, we don't know what these questions pertain to. I would assume that that's more of an avoidant thing than an anxious thing, Mm -hmm. that statement. Yeah. Because it's like you're picking a fight so that they're not close to you. Um, 
but constantly would happen and especially happened when we were long distance after he moved to Connecticut without telling me. I'd love to just slide that in whenever I can. I was going to say, uh, we got to do that full story sometime because it's why we've now breadcrumbed it probably three times. Yeah, we do. We do. You're right. Um, but it happened a lot then where he would he was mostly coming to me, one, because he had a car and two, because this was during the pandemic. And so like his parent, I wouldn't be going to his parents' house. He was mostly coming to me. Um, and then he would quarantine from his parents when he got back. But every time it felt like he would show up and be like so anxious to spend time together and then immediately pick a fight. Brutal. Usually related to how he hated the city. It was That was almost always the fight that he would pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. That sounds miserable. Yeah. And he knew that it – or like I, we would go to Connecticut and he would just go on and on and on about like how beautiful it was up there. I'm like, bro, I get it. It's pretty. I don't want to live here. Yeah. Yeah. I saw – now that you've called my attention to it, my partner often comments or complains that I am controlling. That is something I absolutely mm-hmm. said about the student. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you've said how he, like, didn't want you to hang out with your friends without him, those types of things. Yeah. Which I stand by. That was controlling. I completely agree. I think I've often been the opposite, where Mm. I think think the oyster wanted me to care more what he was doing. Oh, interesting. Like, he was trying to bait you into it. Yeah. Like, he definitely cared a hell of a lot about what I was doing. As we've said, he had – issues with some of my male friendships. And he really cared a lot about what I was doing. I cared very little about what he was doing. Not in a, I don't care about your life kind of way, but in a, I'm not policing your life kind of way. Right. Which I think is appropriate. I totally, I feel it's totally appropriate, but he, yeah. I think he would, he would have, he wanted me to be more controlling, which is wild. I mean, I do think, you know, you hear about couples where, when I was at my friend's wedding, various – I'm very out of their, like, Chicago friend group, obviously. And the couples that were there from that friend group from that time in their lives were talking about – were sort of gossiping about other couples and stuff. And they were saying how several guys in this group are different guys, either when they're alone or away from their wives or whatever, and how they – like. And I was saying, I said, some people kind of want to be leashed in that way. Like they mm-hmm. they want to sort of be told where to go and what to do and what the schedule – like some people want that. Yeah. I mean, we've ta- I think we've talked about people that we know that are in relationships where they are very much going with what the other person wants to do. Right. And they Which- like that. And again, I don't know. I'm assuming – do you think this one's anxious where it says um, I tend to lose myself in relationships? I think so because yeah. you're so you're so obsessed with the relationship. Yeah. That it becomes like your whole life. Right. Um, and one of, the, one of the things that I think also – it didn't show up in this particular quiz, but it, it is in the quiz in the book is I'm very sensitive to my partner's moods. Mm-hmm. That really resonated with me. Um, like, we've talked about this too, actually, I think, with the classmate, where you were talking about that one morning where he woke up in a bad mood or he was in a bad mood. Yeah, I think were- I edited that out for length. Um, oh. But no, I, I, relate, I relate to that. And I think that it's a little bit of 
I think you and I both tend to overfunction to try to fix and compensate and make things okay. And so, yes, I, I, and I, it is one of those things where this, I believe this is a positive thing about us that we are attentive to other people's moods and needs. I'm not going to say that that's negative, And yet it absolutely can have negative manifestations where I know I told you there was a more, the classmate's not a morning person. He was just very tired. And so when we said goodbye in the morning, I was overanalyzing it. And then later in the day when we met up again for like dinner, he brought up how he was in like a bad mood in the morning. And I said, I, I noticed and I knew it wasn't about me, but I had to tell myself that it wasn't about me. And his preferred football game or his preferred football team, which the people know now know as the Raiders, had won that week. And he was in like an incredible mood then for the rest of the day. So he was like, you need to remember you're very important to me, but not that important. Not, <laughs> not, as, important. Like Raiders, not as important as the Raiders. That's what can really change his mood. <laughs> yeah, I, I and like I said, you know, earlier, there is a lot of good that can come from being in tune with other people's emotions, being able to read a room, understand when things have shifted. You know, there's a lot of emotional intelligence that comes with that. But when you start to put, have your own mood be attached to it, I think is when you can start to get in trouble. Yes. Or like, right. Like there's, I can tell if your mood has shifted and that's a good thing that I can tell mm-hmm. that your mood has shifted. I can behave differently. You know, I can maybe I'll be a little more quiet because I can sense that you want more quiet time. Yeah. You're not just going to snowplow right through and to right. do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But I can do that while separating myself from it. Yes. And, you know, I am not involved in this mood shift that has nothing to do with me. I don't need to do anything about it. It's not my responsibility to make you in a better mood. Correct. Because it is. it is, doesn't involve me. Right. Exactly. You know, so I can maybe check in and just, you know, is everything okay? Can I do anything? Yeah. 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 But and I, I also attach anything to it. Something that I has been a goal to work on is, uh, is instead of guessing, just ask. Yeah. And so I've really been working on asking, what do you need right now? What do you, what would you want? And instead of guessing, oh, I think they need this from me, I will behave this way. And it works so much better when you just ask the person what they want. Just ask people what they want and and tell people what you want. Yeah. And that's the whole podcast. There we go. Like literally, we don't need to do any more episodes. Just listen to that one. Um, But we should probably end the episode, I think. I know. We've been – that's the thing. I'm glad we divided this up because we could clearly just keep blathering on about this. But yeah, next the next conversation will be great and I think um, we'll tackle some substantive questions from people and get into how this plays out um, more specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited to talk to Kirsty next week. It's going to be great. All right. We'll have a great week. You too. Bye. Bye.